This is Sunrise, the who, what, when, where, why, and WTF of Florida politics. I'm Rick Flagg reporting, and today we're setting aside the usual snarkiness and cynicism in order to present A Sunrise Christmas. It's a collection of holiday stories, past and present, from the staff at Florida Politics and from some of the newsmakers featured on this podcast. So grab some eggnog, take out the jingle bells. We'll get started right after this. We all know that guy who says he knew Trump was going to win long before election night. Had he known about Predict It, he could have put his money where his mouth was and made a little extra cash in the process. Predict It is like the stock market for politics. You can buy and sell shares in future events and elections, both foreign and domestic. During the 2018 midterms, Predict It beat other national pollsters like Nate Silver in election night predictions, and it wasn't even close. It's easy and only costs a few bucks to get started. Sunrise listeners can get a special introductory offer by visiting predictit.org slash promo slash F-L-A-P-O-L. One of my favorite traditions over the years has been covering the lighting of the official Christmas tree in the lobby of the governor's office. The agriculture commissioner is there to present the tree. The governor receives it on behalf of Floridians. Sometimes it's a bit goofy. Other times it's a hallmark moment. Here's what it sounded like this year with Agriculture Commissioner Nikki Freed, Governor Ron DeSantis, and first daughter Madison DeSantis. Um, so, Governor, I would love to present the 2019 uh, Capitol tree to you and to the First Lady. Oh, wow. Uh, it's a beautiful tree. We actually have an additional, a little bit of a tradition. So, if you wanted, we want wow. to present okay. you some, some Hanukkah menorah nice. um, ornaments. Yes, absolutely. Good. So thank you again for, for this honor to be part of this tradition and really want to just encourage everybody to not only um, have fresh from Florida trees in their homes, but make sure that that's what you're actually putting on your tables is fresh from Florida food. So thank you, go. Governor. First thank lady. you so much, and thanks for, for doing that. Thank you very much. Beautiful tree. We really appreciate it. All right, we have this ornament here is the, at the governor's uh, mansion, so we have that there. I think people can put, purchase it. You want to put it on the tree? Okay, put it on. Put it on the branch right there. There you go. Ah, oh, almost. <laughs> Let me help you. Let me help you. Peter, we doing it again? I'll help you. Okay. There we go. That's a good one. Okay. Let's do another one. Where do you want to do this at? Why don't we do it over here? How about right here? Is that okay? okay let me help you. Let me help you. Man, this is the real deal. This tree. Stuff. All right, we'll put the other ones on now. Madison's gonna light up the tree. You gonna push the button? Here, come here. Okay, so you push that button right there. Yay! Good job. All right. Yeah, you did it. See all the lights? See what you did? Good job, Madison. All right. Chief Financial Officer Jimmy Petronas took part in that tree ceremony, and then a week later, he helped burn a Christmas tree. That gave TV crews the video they need to illustrate their stories about the terror lurking in your living room. Hashtag fire-breathing killer Christmas trees. So after the tree went up in flames, I had the chance to ask CFO Patronus about his plans for the holiday. You know, um, I'm really looking forward to spending time with the family. Uh, Christmas is still really magical to a, a nine-year-old and 11-year-old. And, um, you know, they're, they're curious what's in the packages. They still have this... Uh, real romance with with everything that goes along with waking up Christmas morning um, and uh, I'm going to treasure those moments. Uh, uh, I've grown past it from a child to an adult but um, you know I just I, I love getting up the morning before 
before they do and helping make sure everything is right in the house. And then I love waking them up to see their excitement and run in and look at, you know, what's under the tree. Um, and uh, I know there'll be a day where uh, it's not going to be as important for them to wake up uh, after I do uh, and we'll celebrate like, you know, I did now at my age. So just treasuring the time that, that the innocence is so good with them. Are the kids Santa aware yet? They love Santa. My boys, you know, um, Santa, you know, eats the cookies, you know, he drinks the milk and he takes the carrots uh, to Rudolph and the team. And, uh, and my boys are always asking, you know, at least they did last year. And I'm glad they still ask. How old are they? Nine and 11. And they still believe in Santa, well, Santa, Santa is Santa <laughs> is amazing how he goes through this incredibly small stovepipe of a chimney at our house. Uh, I don't I don't know how he does it, but uh, he is still able to uh, miraculously pull off getting you know I don't know it like especially like last year how he got the skateboard down that thing, but uh, it was uh, it but it works, and he and he still somehow pulls it off. One of the people covering that press conference was Sarah Mueller, who recently signed on as a Tallahassee reporter for Florida Politics. Like me, she is a radio refugee, and right now she's looking for a place with a big lawn for her puppy. You know, dogs always seem to play a big part in Christmas stories. My favorite Christmas memory is, you know, after going to bed, staying up and listening to the house, because the house always seemed to sound different on Christmas Eve. Like, I always pictured that downstairs there was, like, a little workshop going on where I don't know if there was, like, like I pictured elves or anything, but I pictured, like, a <laughs> workshop where, like, maybe my parents were, like, building, like, the Christmas presents downstairs or something. But it always sounded like there was, like, building going on. There was, like, hammers working or, or something. It just – it always sounded different. Like, there was, like – some kind of building, creating kind of thing happening downstairs where something magical was happening. You know, there were Christmas presents being created just for me. <laughs> favorite present? Oh, hmm. What was my favorite present? Oh, yeah. I remember we woke up um, one Christmas morning. It was when me and my brother Brian were little. And my parents opened up their um, bathroom door, and our dog, Bogart, came out. He was a little puppy. Oh, nice. Yeah, a golden retriever. Um, it was our first dog. And Bogart came out. Our little puppy, Bogart, came out, and we were so excited. Sarah is now the only new reporter working in Tallahassee for Florida politics. Renzo Downey joined the crew just a few weeks before Sarah. His favorite Christmas memories come from his mom's side of the family, and she's from the Dominican Republic. Yeah, so in Latin America and in Spain, they have a separate holiday that they celebrate instead of Christmas. Uh, the gift-giving day is El Día de los Tres Reyes Magos. I know that means the day of something. Uh, three Kings Day. Three Kings Day. Yeah. And three Kings being a reference to the, the three wise men at the... Yep, the three wise men that came and bring the three gifts to baby Jesus on the 12th day. Okay. Yeah. So did you traditionally give like gold, frankincense, and myrrh? Uh, no, the, the, the take these days tends to be, you know, fruit or, well, really it, in Latin America, it's, that's the gift-giving day. But what we would do was, you know, just more, more like a second stocking stuffer type deal where you know, you put soap or 
fruit or like candy in the shoes. And it was more natural, kind of like a, a California <laughs> Christmas. And uh, one year I got a, a pineapple, which is one of the, the more zany things it got. But uh, my mother says that her abuelo, her grandfather, used to put camel cigarettes on the shoes. Did because... she give you one to smoke? <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, yeah, one of the kings arrives on a camel. So that was the, the tie-in there, just a little joke, I guess a, a play on words there. Renzo, Sarah, and I all work for Peter Shorsh, the guy who came up with the concept of FloridaPolitics.com. And I got to tell you, the guy loves his holidays. One look at his Twitter feed will tell you the Shorsh household is bonkers for the 4th of July, Halloween, and especially Christmas. People who follow us on social media know that the, uh, the snowman family, as we pre- uh, prefer to be called this time of year, that we enjoy all of the trappings of Christmas, whether it be the um, Disney-themed Christmas lights that we put out, whether it be the Elf on the Shelf cookie, uh, cupcake cookie that comes for Ella Joyce, whether it be going to church on for uh, Christmas Eve Mass. We especially, this year, with the passing of Michelle's dad, have worked really hard to keep the traditions alive that he was a part of. So Christmas Eve, we would have dinner at the Vinoy in the wine room, um, and we will have dinner there again, and we're going to leave a, a place setting for Papa Ben. And we're going to go out to Ella's horse's stable, which was a big part of their relationship. And Michelle's done a very good job keeping up a lot of the traditions that uh, Ella and Papa Ben worked on together. One of them that I just saw was that they they painted a wooden reindeer together. uh, And it gave Michelle time to wrap presents. This was a couple of years ago. And so that has stayed around. And so... Maybe this year more than any other, all of the different traditions, um, whether it be um, visiting different places, like we would always visit the Grand Floridian um, Gingerbread House or this really garish but wonderfully uh, decorated house in South St. Petersburg. Um, All of those traditions have really meant something this year getting us through what could have been a tough holiday season, but instead it's been filled with joy. And if you're wondering why Peter takes this all so seriously, it may be the ghost of Christmas past. There was a time when my family was not doing well when I was younger, and I had a younger brother and sister. I have a younger brother and sister. And it fell to me because their their father was out of the picture to really make Christmas uh, special for them. And I was working at Publix. I was I think 16 uh, years old at that point. And I'll say that was the first Christmas when I learned that it is a thousand times more enjoyable to give than to receive. And I remember every time I would get a little public check uh, during that period, I would go into the toy section and I would use my little discount and I would buy um, Brianna or Richie a Christmas. And I remember my mom said that I saved Christmas. You know, for me, the biggest part about Christmas is giving and sharing with others. We make sure that Ella Joyce spends the day working with Metro Ministries. We gather up as many presents as we can at our Christmas parties. We ask people to bring over uh, a donation, and we go and we drop all of that off at the tent. I want to make sure that Ella Joyce knows there's a lot of people out there uh, that are not as fortunate as her, 
and that, you know, Christmas is a tough time for some people. And so, you know, this is just an incredible season of giving. And that's just something that I, I, uh, that was instilled in me in an early age. And now I hope to pass it on to Ella Joyce. All right. It's easy to get the young and stoked about Christmas. Dealing with teens is something else entirely. But Florida politics Tampa Bay reporter Janelle Irwin-Taylor found a way. There's this craze about Elf on the Shelf, right? The cute little buddy, the elf with his adorable eyes and parents run around and hide him in funny places and kids go and find them and everybody loses their minds and, you know, they do it for the gram. Um, in an effort to mock that, because I have teenage children, not small children any longer, um, we have this um, mechanical walking Santa that's from, like, the early 80s. So he's seen better days. One of his hands has fallen off, so he just has a hook, and he no longer walks anymore. It doesn't work. Well, my kids decided that they were going to start doing like what people do with Elf on the Shelf and hiding him in places with the intention of terrifying their siblings. So every year leading up to Christmas for like two weeks, we find this creepy Santa hidden in the most precarious of positions. He's been peeping out from couch cushions. Um, my youngest daughter hid him in her sister's room so she didn't find him until it was late at night and she had gotten home from work and I literally just heard her scream. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, there's just been, there's been all sorts of strange sightings. We had a drunk Santa one night who had hit, hit the uh, wine rack a little too hard. So that's our... Um, are more modern and cynical take on Elf on a Shelf. I can't think of a better thing to fun. do with teenagers. <laughs> they love it. They, uh, you know, it's, it, it sounds terrible, especially for parents who have little kids who are really enjoying the Elf on a Shelf thing. But for our family, it's really special because it's really hard to get teenagers to have fun with you and appreciate the holidays. And it's this silly little thing that we can all kind of participate in. And whoever finds the Santa gets to hide the Santa. So it's, uh, you know, it's a way of coming together without them realizing that we're coming together so it's so, an ironic think, christmas <laughs> yeah it's kind of a it's kind of a strange parenting win <laughs> <laughs> okay and what was your sappy moment my sappy one is my mom actually started this years and years ago um so i am not a sentimental person um, my kids are not sentimental people so when my mom started started this i kind of groaned because i thought it was silly she bought this book of christmas miracles and every christmas she insisted that somebody read an excerpt from this book um and there are things like near death experiences or um you know harrowing tales of neighbors coming together to help neighbors just really feel good stories that even if you're not a savvy person you have to appreciate um, and I, after a couple of years of groaning when my mom would bust out the book, um, I actually kind of grew to appreciate the, the tradition. And she, um, she moved out of, out of the area and left the book behind. So now I, now I have it in my house and we carry on the Christmas miracle tradition. And new traditions are created every day. Ken Lawson runs the Department of Economic Opportunity in Tallahassee, and one of his latest traditions and favorite Christmas memories is a classic case of making lemonade when life gives you lemons. One of my best Christmases, best Christmases ever. Me, my mom, and sister, right? We made reservations at some hotel for dinner, and but then they were overbooked. We went to Waffle House and then saw the movie Love Actually. My mom laughed and cried. We bonded. It was just one of those special times that we came together as a family just loved each other. 
and I'm just looking forward to this season. So any special plans this year? This same same, loving my mama, you know, buy some toys, my nieces, my nephew, and just let people in Florida know that, you know, this holiday season, you know what, this is a place where they can grow, build their lives, and celebrate. And that, my friend, is one of the best salesmen you will ever meet. Notice how Ken concluded his Christmas tale with a promo for Florida? The guy is never off. The same can be said of Noah Pransky, a veteran TV reporter from the Tampa Bay market. He's a contributor here at Florida Politics, and in real life, he's a national correspondent for NBCLX. I think for anyone who has worked in the TV news business, Christmas and the holidays sometimes mean working at work, um, spending the holidays with your work family. So there's some plenty of fond memories often, um, early mornings, late nights filling. And, you know, you pretty much get to, in TV, pick either Christmas or Thanksgiving. And my family happens to be a big Thanksgiving family, so I often volunteer to work Christmas so everyone else could spend it with their families. A couple years ago, working at uh, Channel 10 in Tampa, I decided to have a little fun. I came into work. uh, I was supposed to be filling and anchoring that day, and I came into work wearing a Santa suit. This was not a Santa Claus suit. This was a red, uh, you know, gentleman's suit decorated with Santas all over it. And it wasn't just Santa, it was pole dancing Santa. So everyone got a chuckle. And then my bosses realizing I was filling in on the anchor desk that day. They said, you've got a change of clothing, right? And I looked him dead in the face. And I said, no, I'm going to go anchor the new news wearing this nice Santa suit. Um, joke was on them. Of course, I did have... I, I didn't think it would be my last day at the work. So I did bring something else to wear. But, you know, Christmas is about having a good time with whatever family it may be. And maybe it's your birth family. Maybe it's an adopted family. And maybe it's your work family. So I think anyone in the news business can relate. It's often your work family. But those are great memories for me. Christmas in my younger days, fairly simple. Dad was career Air Force, so we moved every couple of years. But we always watched a Charlie Brown Christmas. We even tuned in the very first time it aired on network TV. We always get to open one gift on Christmas Eve. And Mom and Dad absolutely loved Christmas tunes sung by 1950s crooners, which might explain why all my favorite Christmas songs are parodies from the Dr. Demento collection. Dad passed away in October. This will be Mom's first Christmas without him since he was in Vietnam during the 60s. Honestly, I've been feeling down about the holiday. And then I talked to Scott Powers, our senior correspondent in Orlando. In 1989, my wife Connie and I were, were a young married couple uh, wanting to have children, couldn't, and uh, we decided to get involved in the adoption uh, 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 thing. We signed up with this international group called Holt International. They called us up in early November of 89 and said that they had identified an 18-month-old boy in Brazil uh, who was a ward of the state and fully cleared for adoption and, and uh, uh, living in an orphanage outside of Sao Paulo. So we flew down there as soon as we could and uh, and got it rolling. Um, now adoption takes a while overseas. Uh, there, there's all kinds of uh, processes to go through, including uh, you know we uh, took custody of Elias the first day, and then we had a social worker checking on us for a month, and then he, she files a report with with the courts, and then the courts have to docket it, and you know so we never were quite sure when we get out of there. Our goal was to get home by Christmas, so. Everything was rolling toward that, you know, things sort of stretched out a little bit, but looked like we were going to make it. So we went ahead and we bought the plane tickets and uh, uh, scheduled for the visa at the the U.S. consulate and and all of that. So uh, we got through everything, cleared everything, got to the U.S. consulate on the morning of the 23rd, where we had an appointment uh, to get the visa stamp form. 
and we sat there on uh, benches in the crowded room all morning, just waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting for our name to be called. Around uh, around noon, a uh, guy comes out and says, um, we're closing for the day for our annual Christmas party, and we won't be reopening until January 2nd, so we'll see you then. And, uh, you know, we went into a panic, obviously. Um, you know, looking back now, I think it was a little petty of us to think that uh, we had to get home by Christmas, but... Uh, you know, there were financial concerns. You know, we were living in a crappy hotel, you know, a few other things like that. So, you know, I grabbed a security guy. I think he was probably a Marine. And, and I just begged him to please, please, please tell somebody back there to come out and talk with us. So he goes back and he, he comes back a little while later and says, all right, I passed along your message. I don't know if it's going to work. So the whole room cleared out. We waited for a couple of more hours. And then finally somebody came out and looked at our paperwork and stamped the visa. And that took like five minutes, probably. We were good to go. So Christmas Eve, we flew home. It was a, it was a red eye. Uh, changed planes in Miami. So we're sitting there in the Miami airport Christmas morning. Uh, totally spent, exhausted, shot, you know, all of that. And then along comes Santa Claus. And uh, I don't know, maybe he was done with his rounds and was planning a self-sort of vacation, but he was in the airport and uh, came over and met with us and picked up Elias and held him up. And that's the picture of, I think, the greatest Christmas we ever had, the picture of Santa Claus holding Elias in the uh, Miami airport. And that is as good a Christmas miracle as you're going to find. Funny thing, when I first invited Scott to be part of the show, he said, sorry, Rick, I got nothing that sounds interesting. The next day, he sent an email that read, I just remembered one. With that, we will say good day. I'm Rick Flagg, and you've been listening to the Sunrise Christmas Podcast. All of us here at Florida Politics send you best wishes, no matter what you celebrate, no matter what you call it. Just keep making memories. Sunrise is taking a break so I can spend Christmas with Mom in Denver. We'll see you next year.